Um, so we're going to be in two pieces of scripture. We're going to be in John chapter 5, and then we're also going to be in uh, Romans chapter 1. But before we do that, permit me to pray for our time together. Um, and then depending on where we go and how we navigate through it, I actually might open up to some questions. Um, we've never done that before, but I think it'll be really good. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, you're a good father. You're merciful. You're gracious to us. Lord, I pray that as we unpack your word now, uh, that you would make it plain to us, uh, that we would uh, see it for all that it is. Um, we love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's why I felt led to share this piece of scripture. Um, as we navigate through the series that we've titled, We Are All Theologians, um, looking at different doctrines, looking at uh, different truths that we find in God's word, uh, I wanted to make sure that we don't get lost in all of it. Um, we're uncovering some pretty deep theological things. Uh, we've looked at uh, justification by faith alone. Uh, last week, we looked at propitiation. Uh, um, people were telling me that, that, man, I didn't even know that that word existed. Um, and, and so some, some really big things, and, and there's more to come. Uh, this is a series that we will continue to do uh, throughout the years, every now and then just p- picking up uh, some scripture and, and navigating through it and looking at, at what the Bible uh, is saying about who God is and what that means for us, some really important theological truths that I believe if you are a Christian, you should know, all right? And so we're going to unpack eschatology. That's going to be a, a big one. Ecclesiology, we'll look into. Sanctification, we'll talk about regeneration. All, all of these beautiful things that we find in God's word. But I don't want us to get lost in all of this. Because many of us do. Many of us do. We end up holding up these, these doctrines, elevating them to places that they don't belong. My hope is that I've shown you in this sermon series that even as we unpack all these things, they all point to Jesus. That, that if it doesn't end up with Jesus, then we've made a horrendous mistake. And so in our text, we're going to see that, that there were a few people who had done that, and in doing so, completely missing Jesus. And so if you have a Bible, you can meet me in John chapter 5. That's where we will be this morning. We, we find Jesus uh, engaging with some Jewish people. Uh, this was not uncommon to Jesus' ministry. He w- would regularly find himself speaking to Jewish people and wrestling with them. And so here we, we find him doing that very thing. It almost feels like he's in a courtroom, that he's having to give evidence for the fact that he is who he says he is. Because people are just saying there is, there is no ways, there is no ways that you, you could be the son of God. See, what he's doing is he's saying, guys, the father and I are one. The father and I are one. We are one in nature. One in power, one in authority. And, and so that, that was just messing with their brains. They were just like, there is, there is no ways. As they look at Jesus, there was like, there's just no ways that you could be the son of God. And so he's going, okay, then, then let me give you some testimonies. Some testimonies that, that verify that I am who I say I am. And so uh, if we read John 1 all the way to John 5, there's, there's four Four witnesses that Jesus brings to stand before the people and say, okay, look, 
Listen to them. If you're not going to believe my words, then listen to them. And so let me walk through those four real quick, and then we'll land on the last one and then unpack it a little bit. The first witness that Jesus brings before them is is John the Baptist. He he says to them, you you guys have been listening to John the Baptist, but, but why will you not believe him on this matter? See, John the Baptist was considered the last prophet before Jesus. That, that as we look through the Old Testament, we see all these prophets that had, that, that had come before Jesus. John the Baptist was the final one. He had come to prepare the way for Jesus. The text tells us this. And so Jesus is saying, you, you guys, you believe John on so many different things, but, but now he, he's just testifying about me. Why will you not believe that? The second witness that Jesus brings before them is the signs and wonders, the miracles that he was performing. He was like, well, you've read the Old Testament and and you know that there's one who's coming and would perform all these miracles. Have I not proven to you that I am the son of God? You just simply have to look at the signs and wonders and see that that they reveal who I am and still you refuse to believe, okay? The third witness who I think, I mean, if just hearing from this witness alone, they should have fallen to their knees and gone, okay, we worship. The third witness being God himself. He, he says, you, you've heard from God. Some of you heard from God. I was baptized and you heard the very voice of God saying, this is my son. In him I am well pleased. Surely that would be enough. Later, we, we, the same thing happens at the transfiguration where the voice of God is heard and he, he says, this is my son. And still, and still they don't believe. Just Jewish practice back then, you only needed to bring two witnesses. And Jesus, he brings four, he doubles it. He's just going, guys, I could could spend the whole day just unpacking, unpacking, testimony after testimony after testimony, revealing who I am. So we get John the Baptist, we get the signs and wonders, we get God himself, and then the fourth witness that Jesus brings before them is God's word. And so let me read to you John chapter 5 from verse 39. The Christian Standard Bible says it this way, you pour over the scriptures. Some translations say you diligently study the scriptures. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And yet they testify about me. But you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. He's speaking to people who would have called themselves theologians. People who who would have said, no, I I know the scriptures. In fact, many of them would have known way more than we do today. They would have spent day after day after day meditating on God's word. And so because of that, they, they stand and they go, because we know all this theology, we have eternal life. And Jesus says to them, no, no, hold on. You've completely missed it. You've completely missed it. You, you think because you know all of this that you have eternal life. See, that's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And that's what he exposes. He says, guys, all of this, all of this is pointing to me. 
All of it is pointing to me. It, it speaks of me. Why? Because only in me can you find eternal life. And yet I believe, and I think our church could run the danger of this, that many of us, we go, you know, if I know this theology, if I know this doctrine, if I can unpack this, it's all about the mind and we forget the heart. It's great to know all these things. But if you do not have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ himself, you will not get eternal life. And that's what he's saying to them. He's looking at them and he's saying, guys, I know you know these things. In his ministry, he would often say, you've heard it said. And many of them would go, yeah, yeah, we do. Because we've read it and we've memorized it. If Jesus was here today, you've heard it said. I think many of us would go, hey, wait. Where did he, is it really, is it really? So these guys are like, these guys are true theologians. And yet he says to them, you won't even come to me. You won't even come to me. You've accepted the written word, but you're refusing the living word. And oh, how so many of us could fall into that trap accepting the written word, which is good, but it points to the living word. How how do you know this? John chapter one. John writes, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He's speaking of Jesus. If you jump down to verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. He's saying the word points to Jesus. And so everything that we do as we mine God's word and as we look at these beautiful theological truths, we've got to realize that all of it is pointing to Jesus. This is why some pastors will say this, that that as you unpack the scriptures, you must always try to figure out what is this saying about Jesus? How is this pointing us to Jesus? How is this helping us understand who Jesus is so that we might experience this relationship with him? But Jesus doesn't stop there with them. He continues. He says in verse 41, I do not accept glory from people, but I know you, that you have no love for God. Can you imagine that? Speaking to theologians, people who go, no, 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 we know God. We have a relationship with God because of all that we mentally know. And then Jesus comes and exposes them. and He says, you know what the issue is? You have no love for God. What? Do you not see our degrees, our theological degrees? Do you not see the books on our shelves? And he goes, no, no, no. You have no love for God. No love for God within you. I have come in my father's name, and yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the father. Your accuser is Moses. Again, another startling, like, what did you just say? Because because Moses is a hero in our faith. He's one of the fathers of our faith. He's he's the theologian of theologians. I mean, he he wrote the law. And yet, they're going, Jesus goes, no, it's not me. There's one who accuses you before me. It's Moses. 
Your accuser is Moses on whom you have set your hope. Jesus is making the point here again that, that everything that Moses wrote, or all, all the 600 plus laws that were written, everything that you have read and studied and meditated on and memorized, all of that is pointing to me. I'll give you one example. It's Moses who sets in place, because of what God says to him, the whole Passover lamb. Moses sets that in place. And then generation after generation after generation, that's what they do. And then John the Baptist shows up, the last prophet, looks at Jesus and says, here is the Lamb of God, here to take away the sins of the world. Like he, for, for, for John the Baptist, it just made sense. He went, everything that I've read is now pointing to Jesus, here is Jesus. That everything that we have been doing, here it is now. And so he says, it's Moses who accuses you. You read his words, and here I am. Everything that has been promised now being fulfilled right here in front of you and still, still. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me because you wrote about me. But if you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe in my words? Jesus takes it even further back and he goes, you know what, you don't believe in me. Actually, it's revealing that you actually don't even believe what you have read. Because what you've done is you've taken it and you've used it as a way of, of building yourself up and saying hey, to people, look, look at me, look at how much I know. Look at how much I intellectually know, completely missing the fact that it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. And so as we navigate through this series, that's, that's the point. That's the point of why we are all theologians, why we're taking time to unpack this is because I want you to see that all of it points to Jesus. The good news is Jesus. He is the good news. Oh, but what about all these other things? You know what those things are like? They're like being a part of a program and then having all these benefits. And so the reason we're taking time to unpack these benefits is because I want you to understand what it is that you have in Jesus. This recently happened to me. I had uh, the, the Burger King app. Anybody else have the Burger King app? If you don't, you should 100% get it. It's incredible. Unless you don't need Burger King and you're judging me for that, then that's totally fine. Um, but, but I had the Burger King app and I downloaded it because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys. It's like uh, you go to KFC and you buy uh, a KFC meal. I don't eat KFC um, but I buy for others. Just want to put that out there. Uh, and you, you buy a KFC uh, meal, and then they say to you, will you donate two rand? I'm that guy that always goes, ah, oh, sure, sure. Uh, let's just go ahead and do it. You know, I feel bad. I really do. But same thing, Burger King, can you download this app? Ah, oh, sure, I'll, I'll quickly do it. And I never opened it. But I had the app. I possessed it. I possessed the Burger King app. In, like on my phone, but I, I just never opened it. And then one day I just thought to myself, you know what, let me, let me see what's in here. Opened it and realized how I had missed out on so many benefits. Discounts. Buy one, get one free. I was like, what? How, how did I not know about this? This is why we unpack all that we're going to look at in the Why We Are All Theologian series. But here's the thing. None of those benefits, they mean absolutely nothing to you if you don't have Jesus in your life. And so my hope is, is to always point you to Jesus, is to remind you that you need to surrender your life to him. And if you don't, if you're not willing to see Jesus for who he is, the Bible says this, it is because you have no love for God. 
It's a harsh thing to say, but it's true. It's because you have no love for God. Here's what Paul says in Romans. We started our We Are All Theologians series with this piece of scripture, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, a well-known piece of scripture. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. But then he goes on to say this, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it was written, the righteous will live by faith. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness, hear this word, suppress, suppress the truth. To suppress the truth is to hold it down. It's like going into a pool and taking one of those balls and and trying to push it under the water. That's what we do with God's word. Ultimately, that's what we do with God's truth. That's what we do with the gospel. Now, now I know many of us will go, but no, oh no hold on. I, there's things that I didn't know. There's things, there's things that I was unaware of. Like, that was me. Before surrendering my life to Christ, I, like, I'm just being blown away by who Jesus is as I cross the line of faith. And I look back on my life and I go, like, after reading this, going, how, how was I suppressing the truth? I didn't know. But I'm going to read you some verses now that will reveal that it's, it's not because we were uninformed. It was because we were unwilling. We were suppressing the truth. He says, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. Where? For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen in creation, in the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Paul is saying that we should be able to look to creation and go, you know what, there must be a creator. I may not know who he is, but my, but my, my heart is telling me that there is someone who created. And the hope is that that would begin the search for truth. Not a suppressing of the truth, but a searching for truth. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God and show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their their senseless hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. These theologians standing before Jesus, claiming to be wise. Many of us claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals and reptiles. How many of us we've, ex- we've exchanged, we've exchanged the one who is seated on his throne, fully in control, worthy of all worship and glory for things that we've created, for Instagram and TikTok, for budgets and schedules, for accolades and titles. We suppress the truth. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator who, praised, who is praised forever. Amen. And so, 
I want us to be absolutely clear as Rooted Fellowship that, that we talk some big things we unpack some big theological truths. We swim through God's word. I love the fact that here at Rooted Fellowship, when anyone ever stands up here, literally they unpack God's word. They're unashamed of God's word. They go through it. We don't skip anything. One of, one of the reasons that we like to preach through the, the books of the Bible verse by verse is because we don't want to skip some of the difficult things that are in here. There's a lot of churches that will go, you know what, skip that, skip that, skip that, skip that. Let's just talk about the things that everyone will be comfortable with and agree with, where we go, no, we believe all of God's word is God-breathed. But it doesn't end there. All of God's word points to Jesus. That's why the gospel is not just information, it's also invitation. And so as you make gospel presentations where you live, work, and play, as you share Jesus with other people, Give information, but also make an invitation. Inviting people to Jesus, to experience him. My fear is that we leave people with information, with big theological truths, and they walk away believing, I am saved and I have eternal life. When in reality, you've completely missed it. You continue to suppress the truth, and you worship the created things and not the creator. Now this has massive implications for us in many ways, many, many ways. Um, it helps us figure out how to share the gospel, which is something I think all of us should do. If you're a Christian, if you've crossed the line of faith, you should share the gospel. And I, and I, and I hear a lot of, you know, excuses and, 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 and no excuses. Um, and I'm the same, I'm the same. I'll say to myself, I'm an introvert. Uh, but it doesn't take too long for me to open up my mouth and start talking if we're going to talk about comic books and movies. I'm quick to share about that. We all have that thing that we love to share, that we're very passionate about. And so if you're a Christian, that thing should be Jesus and what he has done for you. And so as we share that with people, we're sharing it to a world that is suppressing the truth. Which means that in each and every single one of us, because we are created in the image of God, there is a desire to know the truth, but we suppress it. And we suppress it with different things, with, with hurt and pain and shame and guilt and, 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 and the lust for things. And, and I get it, but we suppress the truth. And so if that is true, as Paul says, that we should be able to look and go, you know what, there is a creator. Even the person who says there is no God, there is a opportunity and a place for you to speak truth into their lives and allow them to experience who Jesus is. This is why we do the series, We Are All Theologians. Because this is not the single role and responsibility of the person that stands here on a Sunday, but as theologians, as we leave and we are scattered throughout the city and beyond, we walk around going, we have so much to share because of what Christ has done in and through us. But as the world continues to tick over and over, and as things change, things, I believe, become harder and harder and harder to speak this truth. We, we become outsiders. We're attacked for what we believe. Words are said about us. But that should never, never, never 
cause us to hide away and, and keep this to ourselves, but rather we should go, no, 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 no. The world is suppressing the truth just like I was once upon a time, but the light of the gospel came in and I saw Jesus for who he was, the wonder of God. And that allowed me to enter into a relationship with God. And, and so if that is true, then that means that no one is beyond the grace of God. And I know that there are many of us in here, we think of categories where we go, they're just beyond God's grace. It's, it's not even worth sharing the gospel to them. No one, no one is beyond the grace of God.